We're in week eight, would you believe it, of our series on the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I've learned a couple of things during this time of figuring out and studying scripture and, you know, just getting along with other pastors and thinking through, you know, what does these scriptures mean and how do we apply it to our lives? So, I mean, we've had such a great time <laughs> preparing these messages and figuring certain things out that might have been a little un- uncertain to ourselves as well. And so it's just been a glorious time. I felt I've grown um, and I certainly do hope that you've interacted with the Word of God. God in such a way that would have caused you to grow as well. If you've missed some of these messages, they're on our app. So you just go to the OSC Connect app, like on your, on your app store or Google Play Store or whatnot, just download the OSC Connect app. Be careful, there's another Our Saviors Church in our area, in our, in our, in our surrounding areas, um, that you won't get us on that app. That's a great app. You can download that one as well, but you're just not going to get us. Uh, so do OSC Connect, and then you'll find our messages on there if you choose Crowley as your choice. Normally, things are saved as the title with the letter C behind it. You can grab all the sermons on the Holy Spirit. Today we are concluding our series. Okay, so for those of you who've just about had enough of it, don't worry. <laughs> the end is nigh. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I don't know that there's anybody like that anyways. Um, we've just enjoyed learning more about the Holy Spirit and allowing Him more in our lives. And uh, He's just been, oh man, it's just, He's just been so faithful to minister to people, to meet people where they're at and what they're going through. And um, So uh, if you ever... If you ever want to talk about whatever we learned and whatever we heard, we're the kind of pastors that speak to anybody. You know, so <clears throat> everybody's welcome at our house. You don't have to jump through hoops to get there. Just let us know that you want to and we'll bring you, we'll even cook you some dinner or something. Um, and uh, we'll have a good time and we'll speak about the things that are on your heart. Uh, th- the more we speak, the more clarity we create for everybody. And uh, that's the way we grow. All right, so let's head into our final sermon on the Holy Who series. All right, so our theme verse has been up till now, John 16, verse 7, and we're going to read it seated today. Um, It says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Just think of this. They followed this man for three years. They have seen his power. They have seen the benefits of living with him, walking with him. They've experienced it firsthand. They've experienced his relational connection with them. They've grown to love him. They really, really love him. Except for this, that, that one guy. We'll talk about him at another time. But they loved him. And he loved them. And it was like, it was like the best occupation that they could ever have you know, situations that give a, how many of you found yourself in a place where you and your boss was just tight and you just, it was just glorious, glorious, glorious. But then he goes and says, Hey, it's best for you that I, I just check out. I need to leave because if I don't, the advocate won't come to you. So Jesus is introducing another person of the Godhead, the third person in the Trinity to his disciples and telling them that his final desire is not to actually stay with them forever, but in fact to leave so that another can come, another advocate can come, that if he doesn't go away, the Bible says, 
I, I, I can't send him to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus knew, and we covered extensively throughout this series, why <clears throat> it was important for him to leave and bring the Holy Spirit. Let me just leave this one thought with you as we intro today. Access. Access. God knew that his people would need access to him. And the only way that everybody could have access all over the world, because that's where, we, where what his vision was, was for the kingdom of God to spread over all the earth, was to, was to introduce the Holy Spirit, who is all, all over present or omnipresent as the, the term goes. He is everywhere present at all times. And we can access God, therefore, in the blink of a moment of focus reshifting. Just thinking about him gives us access to him if we are in Christ Jesus. Thinking about him without having been born again literally puts us before the question, are you going to receive him as your savior or not? Before you've answered that question, nothing really else much can happen. That is the entry point into relationship with God that each and every one of us has to grapple with and make a decision whether this is what I am going to believe, not based on my church membership, not based on my family, uh, you know, how I've grown up or whatnot, just purely based on my individual decision whether I'm going to trust what the Bible declares about Christ and put my trust and faith in that for my eternal salvation that comes through a relationship with Jesus. So, he says, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do, then I will send him to you. And so in this series, we've talked about who's the Holy Spirit, what the role of the Holy Spirit is. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? How do I know that I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? How do I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And we went through just teaching very extensively, like in a way that we've almost never done before, um, about what kind of gifts there are and, and how those different gifts operate and what the purpose of each of those gifts are. And we've made this point that there was so much to discuss about the Holy Spirit that we literally introduced the gifts of the Holy Spirit in week five only. We spent four weeks talking, guys, we don't do very many series that goes longer than four weeks in this church. Yet we spend four weeks talking about everything about the Holy Spirit's role and, 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 and how He interacts with our lives before we even got to talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But then we did go into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today we're concluding with the question that we've alluded to, but we've not really settled that question. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? After all that we've said, who is, what is his role? How do I know I'm baptized? Why do I, need, uh, how do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? How do I use the gifts? After we've said all that, why do we even need all this? Why is this even necessary? And we've said things like, yes, this is for the common good. The Holy Spirit is there to help us become more like Christ. The Holy Spirit is there to, to, um, to, to, to minister to us and to enable us to minister to the body. So we've alluded to it, but let's delve into this question a little bit deeper today by answering why do we need the Holy Spirit as Christians? And why does the Holy Spirit need to be involved in our lives outside these four walls? Because so often you, you see... Um, the Holy Spirit and, and interaction with the Holy Spirit only happening inside the church environment. And, and, and that's kind of why it sometimes gets weird. Because the Holy Spirit was never meant to stay inside here. And it was never meant for us to just interact with Him here. Because we lose the purpose for why He was sent. 
if we just keep him here amongst us, amongst believers. He was actually meant to help us live in a particular way and for a particular thing, purpose outside. And so let's look at that today. All right, so I want to start with a quote. It's from Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was a godly man, a leader, a church planter, a missionary that did so many good writings on Scripture, on the Bible, on principles of the Bible, and he did a lot for the body of Christ, leading revivals. And uh, um, he actually had a huge impact in my country, but he wasn't from my country. He traveled there. Um, uh, to work and do missionary work there, and he had a huge has a huge legacy in the in the, in, the, in the Christian world. Just to show, just to tell you that I'm not just quoting Joe Soap. This is Andrew Murray. I'm quoting. He says, "Men ought to seek with their whole hearts to be filled with the Spirit of God, for without being filled with the Spirit of God, it is utterly impossible that an individual Christian or church can ever." live or work as God desires. This was a man who walked with the Holy Spirit wherever he went and revival followed wherever he went. Not only did people's lives change, but places changed because of his involvement in those places. Yet he was an extremely humble man. He was a man who would liken himself to a donkey. Based on the fact that Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem on his way to the cross. His view of Christians were that we're all donkeys, supposed to be humble. We're not these valiant steeds, you know, prancing around. And drawing attention to ourselves. No, 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 no. You hardly even notice us. Yet you notice who is riding on us. You notice who is on our lives. Because the one who comes with us into a situation, into a job, into an office, into a classroom, into a boardroom, into a, 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 a government seating. The one who comes with us brings power to change lives and change things. He was a humble man, but he brought change for the kingdom of God wherever he went. It is very possible for a Christian to claim God-reliance, but live self-reliant. It's very possible. In fact, I think there's a very big part of the body of Christ that claim to be reliant on God, but they not just even think that they, 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 they have to rely on themselves, but they even rely on their own good works to get them into heaven. Let me just tell you that that is religion. That is not Christianity. In a true biblical form, you cannot work your way into salvation. You cannot. Jesus' work on the cross is the only work that actually accomplished God's will and desire for abs absolution of sin. And it's purely our faith and trust in what Jesus did that gains us access to God. That's all. That's all. And so if you even depend on your own goodness to get your prayers answered, you're still walking in an old way of thinking. You're still walking in an old system of where I need to have my good outweigh my bad. Jesus canceled that system because he fulfilled the requirements of that system. 
And he introduced a new system, a system of faith, whereby if we believe on the name of Jesus Christ and everything that that name stands for and represents, we will be saved. So God's grace is meant to bring us both rest in that I don't have to perform and I don't have to, I don't have to prove my goodness before God. It brings me rest, but it also brings me efficient productivity. It makes me able to do things that I've never been able to do. It changes what I want to do in the first place. It's like in the, in the beginning parts of my Christ, walk with, with Christ, I still desire to go out and do, and do stupid things. Then as God's spirit was becoming more part of my life and my perspective started changing, he changed what I see as we sung and he changed what I seek. My desire started changing and I started wanting different things. And all of a sudden I lost my desire for sinful things. I just lost it. That work continues ever more to make us more and more holy in our lifestyles. We know that. It does continue until the day we depart and we go and be with Him permanently. But the fact of the matter is that that needs to progressively happen. And it can only happen if we allow more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we allow Him to lead and guide. So we need to be increasingly led by, filled by, and enabled by the Holy Spirit. That's why we need Him. We will not get to that place if we do not allow Him more access to our lives. You cannot do this by your own will. Willpower means nothing against sin and the temptation of sin. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to cope with life. This life throws things at us that no human being emotionally should be able to just always handle. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And we need to allow Him more access and more space in our lives to define more to us what we see and what we seek in order for us to be able to achieve that. And so He changes our perspective so that we see the way that God wants us to see. If you start seeing, you start aiming differently. You start wanting to, wanting to do things differently. That's when your change happens. It happens because it happened internally first. You cannot behavior modify with external measures. You cannot. It's a, it's, it's a bust. But once you change on the inside, the external just flows naturally from it. It just happens. Because you're aligned all of a sudden. Your soul, your will, your, your emotions, and your intellect, and your spirit it aligns, which brings a new expression through your, through your physical body, through your decisions. It just, it just makes sense in that way as well. So, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Let's look at some character studies in Scripture to see how the anointing, how having the Holy Spirit come on people changed the way they, they, would, they would live and, and change the outcomes of things they did. In 1 Samuel 16, um, it, it starts to, it's, it's the story about David and how David was chosen to be king over Israel. I'm reading verse 13 kind of as an intro, and then we'll get into more of it in, in a while. David stood there among his brothers. Remember the story. David was summoned after all the older brothers were rejected by God, not to be, this is not the one I chose to be king. So the youngest comes, and he stands there amongst his brothers. And this is unprecedented for such a young part of the family to receive such honor, Okay. And that's why the, 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 the father gave the sons, presented the sons in rank, 
in order of age. First, the firstborn son went up, Eliab, and he was of, of good stature, tall and handsome. But God said, I do not look at outward appearance. I look at the heart. And so he rejected Eliab. And, and so with all the other sons until David came. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and he anointed Davil, Davil, <laughs> David with the oil. <laughs> what you guys don't know is devil in, in my language means devil. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's why we laughed and you didn't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> crazy, right? Um, he anointed David with the oil. And then it says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day on. Now, the... Oil in Scripture is a, is a metaphor, often, is one of the metaphors that refers to the Holy Spirit. Um, and so when you, when you read about oil in the Scripture, always realize that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be involved there somehow. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's why the appointing of leadership always involved oil. Because God knew that you cannot lead people. You cannot lead and govern without His ability enabling you to do that well. Think about what that means for us today. When you have issues with how things are governed, realize it's because the Holy Spirit has been omitted from that arena. Now I know in some of your minds, you go, yeah, but we do need the separation of church and state. And I agree. That is a biblical principle. But the church does not equal God. And God does not equal church. The church did not come up with the institutions of government. But God did. And I wish I could show it to you. I got stuck preparing this message with, with that. And I, I need to move on from it today and not go into it. But I wish I could show you how the West's structure of government was derived out of Scripture, out of the Bible. So that you'll see that it was God's idea how we ought to govern a civilized nation. You cannot remove God out of something that He created and He instituted. Which means we cannot split our minds into some things that are secular and some things that are sacred. That is a massive problem in America today. The biggest population of the church have separated their normal lives from their spiritual lives. That's unbiblical. It's unbiblical. It's nowhere to be found in scripture. You cannot remove God from your work. You cannot remove God from the rest of your life and just serve Him on Sunday or when the church is involved. God instituted every institution in the world. He instituted government. He instituted family. He instituted the church. But He also instituted things like art. He also instituted things like communication, like business. He instituted so, uh, economic systems. God instituted those things. That means He gets to define them. 
And if you're doing life without him there, you're missing it. I'm just selling it to you straight today. You need to rework how you see and what you seek. And seek to bring the purposes of God back into your job, back into your workplace. That's the only way that you're going to have an integrous life. It's the only way. And it's not just about saving people's lives there. It's about actually doing the work the way God wants it done. And that's why God anointed people for these positions. You see how Moses anointed leaders, appointed them with but this. God says, and I'll put some of my form of the spirit that's on you, I'll put it on them to be able to judge fairly and govern fairly among the people. The very, the very um, institutions that, that, that regulate and make us a, a society with checks and balances comes out of the scripture. And the minute you remove God out of it, human, um, human fallenness, Human brokenness becomes the standard against which those things are done. And that's when things start falling apart. You see, somewhere the body of Christ bought into the lie that man is inherently good. And when something goes wrong, it must be because of an outward thing that caused him, that forced him into doing something wrong. The Bible is diametrically opposed to that story. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, that a man's heart is deceitful above all things. Who can trust it? And therefore, we need to assume that man is broken, not that man is good. And man needs to be kept accountable and not just allowed to do whatever he wants. And that's why you have our systems of checks and balances, because the founding fathers of this nation actually knew that man is depraved of goodness. <laughs> And they set things up in a certain way so as to prove, so as to um, protect us. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why none of our institutions has absolute power. Each of them are submitted to the other. It's because man is corrupt. Because we're without Christ, unredeemed, removed from God's goodness and His standard. That is why we need the Holy Spirit. Because even though our hearts get saved at salvation by faith, no work necessary, just faith in Jesus Christ, even though our hearts get changed and we do get translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, our minds are still corrupt until sanctification takes place. Our minds are still the same as before we were saved. Our opinions, our way of reasoning, our judgments, our frame of references, it's still the same. And it takes years of studying Scripture and learning about the truths of God before we start reasoning differently about things, before we start thinking and seeing things the way God wants us to see them. That's the Holy Spirit. And so that's why people that are Christian going to heaven can say stupid things on social media because they believe the wrong story. Their minds have not been influenced by the gospel yet. So I remember there was a time when we in the church would advocate that advocate for the truths of God to make an 18-inch drop from our minds to our hearts. People were following God just purely by, you know, oh yeah, okay, I know God, I know about God. 
and they thought they were Christians. No, 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 your heart needs to be transformed. You need to be born again to become a Christian. There needs to become an 18-inch drop between this and this. And if you're not born again yet, it doesn't matter what you think or mentally just go, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But if you do not accept it and embrace it for yourself, there cannot be a transformation inside of your heart. But nowadays, I find that kind of people understand that. (laughs) Now the message needs to rise again 18 inches to transform the way we think. To make us think like Christians. Not just feel like Christians. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't matter how nice your car looks on the outside. You can buy the smartest, slickest, you know, flashiest, loudest sports car or biggest, baddest, meanest truck with, you know, whatever tires you choose. You can, it can look so great on the outside. If you neglect managing that oil well, you're going to run into trouble very soon. If there's no oil in that engine, it doesn't matter how, what size, you know, six liter, whatever, whatever, V8, split, whatnots, and all that stuff. I don't know nothing about. <laughs> I'm just spewing little things I've heard some people say. <laughs> it doesn't matter how big that thing is. If it doesn't have oil, you have about 10 or so miles, maybe. <laughs> and it's going to be... Bye-bye, truck. We need oil. Everybody say this. I need oil. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit to live this Christian life right. Now, you can choose to do things, you know, your own way. That just shows me that Jesus hasn't become the Lord of your life yet. He might be your Savior, but He hasn't become your Lord yet. And there's a big difference. We actually don't get to choose how we do Christianity. There is actually a person called King Jesus who makes the rules. And once I submit my life to him, I get, I get to learn his heart for making these principles and ways of doing so that I can understand why I need to live according to him. But then it becomes my delight. The psalmist writes in Psalms, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm everywhere today, but the psalmist writes in Psalms, <laughs> I need to get back to that presentation. I'll get there now. That your law is my delight. Have you ever experienced laws as delight? No, we experience them as restrictive, right? Because we don't understand the heart behind them. And we don't know the person behind them. But once you know the person behind that, and you love that person, you know that person loves you, and you understand why he made those laws, all of a sudden, you believe in that law. And you'll even encourage other people to follow it, right? That's the way it works. We need oil. So, first point today. The anointing of God is the fuel of God's presence on us and in us for the purpose of His kingdom. What I'm talking about today is being anointed by the Holy Spirit to live the way and for the reason of what we're supposed to live for out there in the world. Each and every one of us are living currently in a specific area of life. Whether that is the education world, whether that's government politics, whether that is defense, whether that is uh, just, you know, family, whether that is the church, I mean, whether that's in the entertainment world, whether that is, you know, the commerce world. All of us live our lives out in these different realms or these different areas that influence our society. 
But you know what? God has a vision, a desire, and a calling for each and every one of those areas. Why he instituted them and what they're supposed to accomplish. And you and I, understanding who he is and his love and having a relationship with him, come and understand the why behind what he's trying to accomplish with that. And we start aligning ourselves with that purpose. And then our lives start making sense. Then your life becomes a powerful difference maker. You're not just living mindlessly, making a buck here and there and spending it on whatever feels nice. You have purpose. And because you have purpose, your life means something. It's significant. And you feel that. It blesses you on the inside. You have far more understanding and and, and will to do what you do because you understand how that is accomplishing God's will and way. It's for his, pra- it's his presence on us for the purpose of his kingdom to come in this world. And there's a difference between doing things just because it needs to get done versus understanding that how this, what I'm doing, is linking into accomplishing significance, bringing life to people, bringing God's kingdom into our world. There's a big difference. The one is anointed, the other one is striving. The one runs with oil seamlessly, the other one breaks down every, around every corner. We need the anointing of God, but the good news is, is that He wants to anoint each and every one of us for living and operating in those worlds that we're living in. The Bible says that God anoints us with the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians, Paul isn't writing about this topic, but he's writing um, about their work in a particular town, and then he makes a comment about the Holy Spirit, a comment about the anointing that helps us to understand that God actually wants this for us. God puts his anointing on us to accomplish his purpose in the world. He says, now it is God himself who has anointed us, and he is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. God anoints us. And he was speaking about how, and how they conduct their business and how they're able to do what, what God has called them to do. By, and then he refers to it. God is anointing us to do this. God is anointing us to be able to minister to you and, 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 and strengthen you. Now the great thing is that this isn't just for preachers or for spiritual leaders. God anoints each and every one of his children. Um, but let's first look at 1 Samuel in a little bit more detail. Before we move into that. So, in the story that I'm not going to read, I'm just going to recount it. In the story, um, Samuel comes on assignment from God to anoint. And I want to show you this because it's important to understand that in everything in Christianity, there is our part and there's God's part. Okay? And our part is our responsibility. If we don't do it, God doesn't kick in to do his part. Because faith without works is dead. God needs us to act on his word. Then he comes and he affirms his word. It works like that in everything in Christianity. It even works like that as we saw with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have to step out and trust God for that gift. And then he comes and he empowers your effort and he makes it a supernatural thing. He makes it more than what you were able to accomplish on your own thing. But if you don't step out, God is waiting for your faith to become faith. 
He's waiting for your, 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 your understanding to become faith. You might have understanding about something, but until you act on it, you don't really believe yet. There's a difference between understanding stuff and saying, all right, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to see if this water holds me when I step out of this boat. To walk on water, you need to step out of the boat. You can agree that it's possible, but you'll never see the miracle until you actually put your foot down. And that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to actually just step out of the boat, just to try, just to try. Now when Peter sunk, did he just leave him? Did he just go, ah, another one bites the dust or the water or something. He should have believed more, really he should have. No. <laughs> so don't worry if you fail. The Bible is full of people who failed. But you know what? In Hebrews 11, they get listed as the heroes of faith. Why? Because they tried. They stepped out. We can step out. We can try. And even if we fail, there's grace that covers. But there's honor for those who have faith. Not for those who just agree. We have to step out. We have to try. So David comes eventually. So you know, Samuel goes, not it, not it, not it, not it, not it. Where's the other guy? David comes. Okay, good. Lord says, anoint this one. See what happens here. Samuel does the anointing. He performs the act, but the Spirit of God comes and actually make things possible. That means that the, the power was not in the oil. The power was in what it represented. So sometimes people get hung up about, you know, the oil. And, you know, unless somebody has put oil on your face for something that you have not been anointed. No, and, and I agree, we can, we can put oil on people's heads as, as a sign or whatever, if, if that is something that, that, that we really need to do. But you don't need that. You don't need that. It is not in the oil. It is in what the oil represents. And so you can get the anointing of God on your own, in your relationship with God, in your closet, in your prayer space, right there where you are, you can get it. But it does help if we come together as a body and we agree and we do these things together and we, 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 we enact these symbols because they, they represent something that helps create in me a a hook on a, a little memory of something that I made a decision and there's, a, there's like, a, there's like a, a, a moment that stands out. When I did that, I believe this is when it happened. And it helps me to just act in my faith after that. It helps. But it's not a requirement. But in this moment, the, the Bible says in verse 13 that from that day on, the Spirit of God came on David powerfully. And David became able to do things that previously he, did not, he was not able to do. Here's what I want you to know. David was not recognized by men. Right? He wasn't. He wasn't counted or he wasn't acknowledged. Yet God saw him. If God saw David, God sees you. God sees you. It doesn't matter how obscure you might be in, in life. God sees you. And he has a task for you. 
He has an assignment for you that He wants you to live by, but you can't do it if you don't have the Holy Spirit. You'll never be able to really step into it if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to fill you, and to anoint you. Acts 2 verse 17 says the following, This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit on everybody. You get the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets the Holy Spirit. To quote somebody. I don't know who they were, but I heard that's a thing. We all get the Holy Spirit. Because of God's decision. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to, see, to prophesy, your young men to see visions, and your old men to experience dreams from God. God is interested in every generation. He wants to give this to every generation. You don't have to wait until you're 50 before you become valid. You can operate in God's anointing when you start understanding your relationship with God. And you start walking in it. From the day that you are born again, you can start accessing this. It's for everybody. And therefore, it's also for you. But hey, I'm not called to be a preacher. I know. You're not. That's the amazing thing of it. Why would he pour his spirit on everybody if not everybody is called to be preachers? Surely that must mean that the anointing then, therefore, is not just for preaching. It's for building, right? It's for judging whoever is in the legal world. His anointing is for each industry that we live in and work in. And he wants to anoint you to do things his way. So that his kingdom, his way and will might be expressed in that area. Now I know you don't have authority in your, jo- in your job to just change anything you want. But guess, guess what you have authority over? You have authority over you. Your boss cannot tell you to do anything that you don't want to do. That goes against your values, that goes against your morals. He can't. You have authority over you. But so also our in influences around us can't tell us what to do. You agree with it before you do it. That means you submit under it. You give your authority over you away. And you let another dictate over you how you need to conduct yourself. Before you actually start doing something. Don't give your authority away. Don't become somebody else's slave. And just do as they please. Do as God has called you to do. Live from your own convictions. And make sure those convictions line up with this, the word of God. His anointing is for everybody. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what social class you come from, what economic class you come from, what race you come from. It doesn't matter. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you, you, you qualify. You qualify. But God also anoints for the purpose. And that's the last point I'll make today. God also anoints for a purpose. Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus recounts his purpose, right? And some of this is, is also us because we're his body. 
right? But it gets expressed differently than Jesus' job made him express it, okay? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Jesus understood his purpose. He did, right? And, um, and as the body of Christ, we share in that purpose now. He's the head, we're the body, and so we come alongside with him. So each and every one of us has been anointed to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. That anointing rests on every one of us because we're part of the body of Christ. And that's also why every single believer has been called to tell other people about Jesus. Not just preachers. Every believer. Because you're part of the body of Christ. You are included in this purpose. And so if you're wondering what is my purpose in life, well, your first purpose as a believer is to make more believers. And that's for everybody. That's for everybody. And how we do that, man, we have a lot of training for that. We have a lot of, you know, preparing you and getting you ready. But ultimately, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to be your leader. Because He shows you how to do these things. When you know what you're anointed for, you know what problems you can solve. You don't become scared of things. You run to things. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus ran to the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. And so can we. As the body of Christ, so can we. But what problems are in your area of life that you see? God hasn't called you to run away from those problems. Hey, baby girl. He hasn't called you to run away from it. Again, we have to, we have to take our faulty thinking out of our, out of our lives. Somewhere the body of Christ believes that no, in order to be holy, I need to separate myself from everything that's unholy. No, it's not what's around you that makes you unholy. It's what's going on in here. But if what's going on in here is holy, guess what? What's around you can become holy. So it's time that we start thinking right about who we are in Christ. You have the power to affect change around you. But we have to believe it. And we have to try it. We see this throughout Scripture. How God anoints people for purpose. Noah was anointed to build an ark. Joseph, anointed to be a wise resource uh, manager and lead a nation through a famine. Nehemiah was anointed to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and reestablish the city. And we see this today in all walks of life. And God wants to do this for each and every one of you today. God wants to anoint teachers to not only teach content, but to teach character and values. God wants to anoint business people not only to make money, but to do it ethically and to apply it to His kingdom's purposes. God wants to anoint artists to produce art that glorifies Him and points to Him. God wants to anoint scientists to help find solutions to our physical problems. Think about all the people that are currently working on a vaccine or a cure for the COVID thing. They're doing God's work, y'all. They might not even be Christians, 
but they're doing God's work. Why? Because that's what God called scientists to do. And you know what's sad for me? Sometimes non-believers produce more results for God's kingdom than Christians do. That frustrates me, I'll be honest with you. We're called to be the leaders in the world of innovation, of solution finding. We're called to be at the front line of providing options where there are none right now. We're supposed to bring solutions. If things are going wrong, it is our job to go to the creator of everything and ask him, Lord, how do I do this better? And how do I influence my environment around me? God has called us to be that. But you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You'll never be able to do that without the Holy Spirit. I want to conclude today with Acts 1.8 and Psalm 92. Acts 1.8 says the following, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me quickly throw in Matthew 28, 19. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. But that doesn't just mean make people Christians. Because he says, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. That means the full counsel of scripture as applied to all of life needs to be taught to Christians everywhere. The full counsel of Scripture so that we can start thinking like Christians in our everyday lives as well as feeling like Christians. You need more anointing on Monday than you need on Sunday. This is our safe space, y'all, in case you wondered. Here everybody agrees more or less. Here I'm for you, you're for me. We all feel nice and you know comfy. When you get out there, it's not the same. That's when you need the anointing of God. That's why you need the Holy Spirit on Monday to Saturday. Some of y'all need the Holy Spirit when you watch sport <laughs> programs. You need the anointing to parent your kids right. Cool. Preach it, brother. I'll encourage myself if you don't want to do it. You need the anointing in your boardroom when you lead meetings, in your classroom, when you teach your students. You need the anointing to keep your vows and stay faithful. You need the anointing to make disciples and honor God. Psalm 92.10, last scripture. Your anointing has made me strong and mighty. You have empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. We need the Holy Spirit, y'all. That's what he was sent for. Jesus would not have sent him if, this was ne- if it wasn't necessary. He's not an extra, optional extra. He is necessary. He's fundamentally necessary to your Christian walk. And being able to let your Christian walk become an influence outside you rather than you just trying to survive in this hostile world. I don't survive in this world. I win. I win over temptation, but I also win in life. I'm an influencer. Not because I am anything, but because of the anointing. So much still need to be said about this topic. You'll see in Scripture that God doesn't anoint people that don't 
take care of themselves. God doesn't anoint people that didn't develop themselves. Go look at everybody that was anointed for something. They applied themselves. They pursued something. They were committed. They were, they were for the best of their ability, disciplined. Look, I am not a disciplined person by nature. I am not. But the anointing of God helps me to do way more than I could ever do because, of, you know, with my own discipline. Yet, I have applied myself to the best of my ability to attain to a certain level of preparation. But I need the Holy Spirit to come on me every single time I step in front of y'all. Otherwise, it won't affect nothing. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit for what you're going to do tomorrow. But if you do get the Holy Spirit, He'll make you strong and victorious. You've empowered my life for triumph. If you're not a triumphant Christian, if you're not winning where you are, you need the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Pursue Him. Ask for His anointing. Press into it. Can't emphasize this harder. So let's all pray today. Can we stand? Father, as we close this series about about the most important person of the Trinity on earth currently. For through Him we gain access to everything that you have promised. We, I ask simply, Lord God, that you will lead us and that you will prompt us and that you will remind us and that you will draw us, Lord, closer in relationship with your Holy Spirit that we might receive your anointing for the task that you have put on us, Lord God. If you will declare this with me, just in your heart of hearts, just say this, Lord, I cannot do this without you. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. If you're willing today to make a commitment to ask Him to come on you, to discover and to pursue the purpose that He has for your life in the area of life that you're involved in, the work that you're involved in, the function that you fulfill currently as an adult or as a young adult or as a student or as a child. And you want to ask Him to anoint you for that. Just raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking around. We're all in prayer. We're all spending time with Him. Just acknowledge before Him, Lord, I need you. Come on, come on me. Clarify to me what you've called me to do. Clarify to me, Lord. Lead me, guide me. Father, you see each and every hand in front of you. In front of you who is committing to walking this journey with you, Lord God, I pray that you will anoint them powerfully. That tomorrow they'll step into their jobs, into their worlds with a new, fresh perspective, Lord. A new goal, a new desire to see your will and way happen. Father, give us ideas and concepts, Lord. Make us creative. We were created in your image, creator, that makes us creative. That makes us able to solution, find, strategize, and strat plan. That makes us able to find ways to do things that doesn't fall, did not before exist. Because we can get inspiration from leadership from you, Holy Spirit. We pray for those things to just descend on us, Lord God. Help us. Help us us, Lord, 
Empower us, Lord. Empower this people, Lord, so that we can make an impact for you. We can make an impact for your kingdom in this city. We pray that in Jesus' name.